We, uh, I'm going to talk today about Calvary Chapel, and we used to do this like every year, and somehow we kind of missed a bunch of years, but we're, you know, it's a good idea every now and then just to kind of refocus, you know, on, on kind of who we are and, and where we've been, and so um, we're going to talk about that today. I promised uh, that we would do that this week, and, uh, you know, how we got here is important to know. Some of you folks haven't been around long to know how we got here, and and uh, but it's not a bad reminder for those of us that have been around a while uh, to think about that kind of where we're heading, what we do, and why we do it. That that kind of thing. Last week we we uh, Paul and I both kind of gave our personal stories, and really that's where it starts, isn't it, for every one of us? Uh, our personal relationship with Jesus. That's the story we have. That's the testimony. That's the evidence that we have that God is in our lives. And, and really kind of what I want to talk about today is, is following on from there. So first I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. And uh, we'll follow on from there. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 7. I read this uh, verse the other day in... in uh, <clears throat> Felt like uh, it really kind of a, you know applies to what we're talking about here this morning, what we're looking at here in the church, and and that kind of thing. Chapter two, verse seven, Deuteronomy: The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast desert. And these forty years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. What a testimony, isn't it? That's what Moses was telling the people of Israel. But it really is a message for us, too, that, that God has blessed us. That God has blessed us. He's taken care of us, and it's been a long time. Uh, he says, for, for them it was 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. He has, he's blessed you. He has provided everything you've needed. You have not lacked anything. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm coming up this year uh, in September to 40 years as a believer. And, and you know what? God has provided everything. 38 years. Uh, we'll be married this year. And God has provided and has blessed us, taken care of us. 38 years. The church, uh, over, over 25 years. God has provided. God is so faithful. It's really a testimony to Him. Really, uh, past, present, and future. It really, it, is, it really is all about what He has done. I like, uh, you know, you've, I'm sure you've heard this, uh, the, the word history broken down into two words, His story. That's really what the history is. It's His story, what God has done in our lives and what God has done with us as a group of people as He's gathered us together from uh, all kinds of different places and walks of life. God is faithful. So I want to start off with, with the past, and it is kind of a long story, and I'm not going to go into every detail, but um, it's, it, I find it interesting. I hope you find it interesting. Paula, Paula and I met at Bible school in 1977, and we got married in 1978. Uh, that's another story. But we finished Bible school, and we ended up going to England for, th for three years altogether. Not all at once. We went for one year, and then we had back home in the States for a year and a half, and then we went back for two years. So we spent, uh, you know, three years living in another, another culture, another country, living, uh, watching God provide for us. It was incredible. We served uh, churches there and different ministries there, like Youth for Christ and... and uh, a drug and alcohol ministry. We, we did all kinds of different things. We got all kinds of different experience. We didn't really know much uh, when we went. Uh, we, we, we just wanted to do what God wanted, and we went, and we were young, and, and uh, we, we had one kid when we went there, and then we came back home, and we went there with two kids, and then we had our third kid while we were living there. And so, so but the time was... was uh, for us to come back home, and we, we came back, uh, and we kind of said, well, what do we do now? What's next? And we ended up living in Central California. Any of you ever been to Central California? A couple of you. 
and uh, up in a place called Visalia and Tulare and kind of it's, it's in the Central Valley. They grow a lot of products there, a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables and things are grown there. It's very uh, uh, well known up there. And, and then, but we lived there for about three years or so and we, we were uh, kind of doing a quasi-internship. Uh, it didn't turn out the way that we had thought it would. But we were there, and God wanted us there, and we were serving and working and doing what we were supposed to do. But there came a point where we said, okay, it's time to leave there. And, and uh, it sounds like we moved around a lot. We did. I think living up there, we were there, only there for, for you know, two-plus years, and we lived in four different places, and it was kind of insane. But back then, we could move, like, within a week. We, we just had it like this thing. I couldn't, it would take me a year now to get ready to move somewhere. I don't know how, how we, did, we did it then, but we did. So we went back to uh, Southern California, and we ended up uh, back in the area where the Bible school was, where we met. And, and I ended up teaching at the Bible school where we met. Uh, and this is now 10 years later. 1987. And during all those years, though, we were just, we just wanted to do what God wanted us to do. We were just seeking His direction and, and getting different experience. And, and you know, what, what resonated with me was really just teaching and, and the Bible and, and uh, just seeing what God would do with the church. And, and so I had this desire that kind of developed, and it, and it didn't happen overnight. It developed over those 10 years, really, of this desire to start a Calvary Chapel church somewhere. And we were part of this group of churches, Calvary Chapel, which, uh, again, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Calvary Chapel uh, you know, kind of came out of the Jesus movement uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, and, and uh, just a kind of a simple format of worship and and uh, the Word of God, very simple format. And that's kind of like who we still are. And, and uh, Jesus, I think, is still moving today all throughout the uh, earth. And we're still part of that group. Uh, but we wanted to go somewhere where there wasn't uh, a Calvary Chapel. We wanted, there was like, there were, you know, back then, we were all clustered around Southern California. And it was like, that's where most of them were and kind of stretching into Arizona. And and, and so he said, we want to go somewhere different uh, where there's a big need, where there's more of a need. And so we, we just, again, just started asking, God, what would you want us to do? Where would you want us to go? And we kind of looked into England because we had a great time there. And, and there was just no doors opening at all. We tried. But it was at that time, and, and it really, it's so extremely spiritual that it happened like that we just said well what about New England you know I didn't even know where New England was even though my real father was born in New England I didn't really even know that until like after we got here or thought about coming out here he was born in New Hampshire so but I didn't really like know even what that meant but we said well let's check it out so we started making contacts we started uh, talking to different people who, and Pastor Chuck would get letters from someone in New England, can you come and start a Calvary Chapel here? And he would pass the letter on to, to us. And we, we, uh, we said, okay, well, we started making some contacts in Maine. We made a trip or two to Maine, and that like, wasn't really happening. And, and uh, so we, at, at one point in time, we'd only at the Bible College for one year, teaching there for one year and doing worship and and, uh, but I had told the director when, when he'd hired me, I said, yeah, but someday I'm going to go and start a church somewhere. And he said, okay, that's fine. So we said at the end of the year, we're going to go and we're going to go to New England. We really didn't know exactly where we were going to end up. That's, I mean, look, looking back now, I go like, why, uh, how did that happen? Like, I don't know that I would do that today, but we were, like I said, young and, and just willing to do whatever God wanted. So we, we, uh, we left and, and, and we got into our uh, 1975 <laughs> Buick station wagon. That, like, that looks almost exactly like it. And uh, what a car that thing was. You know, someone gave it to us, actually, and we had to, like, fix it. And, and uh, we drove it 
We drove it out here. We put a trailer, a little U-Haul trailer on the back. And those things were, that's when cars were built. I mean, that thing is like a tank. And the metal was like a quarter inch thick. You know, but we, we got into that. We, we had our four kids and my nephew uh, living with us. My sister had passed away while we were at the Bible Cause. We had the, my nephew with us. So we had these five kids in the back of this station wagon pulling this trailer, going to New England to start a church. Not sure where we were going to end up. We had a student in, in New York who said we could, you know, put our stuff there. So we at least knew we weren't going to be out on the street homeless somewhere, right? So we got to New York, we left the trailer there, and we got back in the car, and we started driving around to the different contacts that we had. Uh, one thing, I, I wish I would have had time to find a picture, though, because when we loaded that wagon up, we kind of looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Serious. We had, you know, those, uh, those rocking horses with the springs that, you know, and we had one of those, like, strapped to the top of the car. <laughs> and other stuff up there, and it's like, whoa. So, so we, we got out here, and we went to Connecticut. We thought, that's where we're going to end up, in Connecticut. We got there, and we're talking with the folks that we had contact with, and, and it just it wasn't, it wasn't the place. So we said, no, that's not there. We then went down to Cape Cod, and we thought, well, yeah, this is, this is the next, this is number two on the list. We're going we're gonna to be here. This is a beautiful spot, Sandwich, nice picture book, New England town. It just, that wasn't where we were supposed to be. We went to New Hampshire, wasn't there. We went to Massachusetts, wasn't there. We'd already been to Maine, but we went up there again just to, just to check it out. And it wasn't to be. So we're going like, whoa, here we are. But in the middle of all this, there was a family in Rhode Island who had taken us in, in the middle of all that, the Deepalatos. They took us in, and, and to make a, a long story short about that, they took us in, and, and, and through all these different circumstances that happened, we realized, oh, you want us to stay here. And like before, I didn't even really know where Rhode Island was, but, but that's where he wanted us. He, and then he provided a house for us to be. So, so we first met in our house, and there was just a handful of us. And, and then we, we kind of got discouraged after a year. And so we took a detour. We went to Connecticut about 30 miles away. And we got over there and we go like, oh, this is, this is where we're supposed to be. We got over there and we go like, what are we doing here? It was like we're in the wilderness. So we stayed there for one year and, and, we, and, and God said, you need to go back the way you came through a scripture that I read. And I go, well, okay, how far back? And I called the director at the Bible school, and I said, can I come back? And he said, no. I said, okay. So I said, well, let's see how far back we can go. I actually, I, I, I somehow contacted the landlord of the, of the place we lived in here in Warwick, or in Warwick and, and they said, well, the place is empty. You know, and I said, well, oh. A year later, we moved back to the very same house we moved out of, and it was a house like right on the bay in Arnold's neck. It's like, this is weird. I thought there was somebody whistling for a second. <laughs> and, and so we moved back in there and, and uh, you know, we, it took me a while. I was a little bit gun shy and I wasn't sure, but we, uh, I, again, I met a guy, Billy Maha, and, and we met and we, he, he encouraged us to get started again. We, we met in his barn. He has a barn in the back of his yard. And we met back there, and then it was, we had a bunch of kids, so it was, we moved it back to the house. And then we moved from there to a restaurant. And that was interesting, because uh, the bar was still open at night, but these people were kind of wandering in and out of the bar, and we were trying to have church there. It was, it was pretty interesting. So we, we met there for a while, and then we moved to a Knights of Columbus Hall. Because uh, actually they had a fire in the restaurant and we had to move. We found out like, you know, uh, days before we were supposed to meet again. And this is kind of the pattern. God always seemed to provide whatever we needed. And, and so we found out about this fire and we said, well, what are we going to do now? We contacted the guys at the Knights of Columbus Hall and they said, oh yeah, okay, we can do that. And they charged us like almost nothing. So we started meeting there and we met there for a while. And some of you actually joined back then. How many of you actually joined us back then? 
two, two were there. Yeah. I don't think anybody's here who was at the uh, restaurant. No. And definitely not at our house. So we met there, and, and then uh, we decided, well, let's... Uh, it, we had a lot of fun there, though. They, it was actually owned conjunct... Uh, uh, two organizations. Well, one owned it, and then two met there. The VFW met downstairs, and the Knights of Columbus met upstairs, and they had a pool table downstairs. And uh, I talk about being creative. Uh, we, we would bring tarps down there, and we'd like section off areas downstairs in this tiny little hall where the pool table was in the middle. So we sectioned it off. And, and one Sunday, uh, we came in, and there was like a Polaroid picture sitting on the pool table in like an, um, an angry note saying, we do not appreciate. And it was a picture of all the stuff they'd pulled out of the pockets of the pool table. And, and uh, that our kids were down there, like, putting all this junk in their pockets. And, and, and we couldn't deny it was us because they were like little New Testaments. <laughs> so um, I wonder if I still have that picture. That would be, that'd be pretty funny. So, but, you know, but we, you know, Paula and some of these other people that worked with the kids, they, they just made do. And then we, so then we moved from there to the schools, and we met in, in Cedar Hill Elementary School, and then finally... Uh, we moved over to Winman, where we were there for many, many years. I think we were in the schools uh, uh, 10 to 12, maybe more years altogether. And, and, and it, when I read in Numbers chapter 33, it talks about the, the stages and the journey. And, and just for us and the, the stages, and it's, this is over again, a 25-plus year period of time. And uh, it makes me think about the stages in our own journey. You know, stages in our own lives. And we go through these stages. When you think back, if you, if you think back to write down, like, well, yeah, we spent, you know, I spent, the Lord had me here for like a year or two years. And then, and then uh, he opened a door for me to work over here, or he opened the door for us to move over here. And, and you think about how God has taken care of you. And, and I can say, like this verse in Deuteronomy 2, that the Lord has watched over us. He's watched over this journey through this vast desert, he says, these 40 years. The Lord has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. You know, we have not lacked anything. It's been amazing. It, as, I, as I said, there were times when we heard, out, we heard about, uh, even in the schools, we heard on a, on a Friday that we could not meet in the school on the Sunday. We'd hear about it on Friday, you know, when they had the, the uh, asbestos crisis. you remember that? We heard about it on Friday, and we heard about it on the news. They didn't even bother calling us to tell us. And so we said, oh. But, you know, every single time God opened up some place for us to go. Every single time he was so faithful. And then all the buildings that we looked at along the way, and Barbara has done a... Uh, a, a job of putting together that story and, and uh, you know, how all the different places we looked at, and you can read that if you haven't read that al already. Dan and Barbara put that together for us. Which brings us to the present, really, in 2008, which sort of isn't present-present, but it's kind of the, the, the modern era, Right? We moved and God opened the doors, literally God opened the doors for us to come here, right? I, wouldn't you say literally, Norman? And Norman and I have talked about this and he shared about this before, how, how it, was a, it was really uh, the events that came together to, to, to open the door. We could not have done that ourselves in the, in the midst of a financial crisis, housing uh, and, and real estate crisis. And, and, and God actually opened the doors for us to, in the middle of the worst circumstances to actually come here and to be in this place. So we began to work on it. We're still fixing it up. We're still, there's still work to do. And, and I, think, I think about this a lot, that, you know, that, that there, you know, after being kind of, we had the record for being the portable church in Rhode Island, I think. From, from all the people that I talked to, we had the record of the longest being a portable church. And I may not, you know, but from everyone I talked to, that was, that was the truth. But, but uh, to move to a place where you're there and, and putting down roots, it, I'd say it was a big adjustment. 
I, I think we're, I think honestly we're just now making that adjustment. Some how many years is that? Seven years? Seven years later. We're just making like figuring this out. Now don't ask me why, it's just it's just the way it is. But I met a guy at the pastor's conference, I just thought about this in in uh in uh July. I didn't know him before. He was a friend of Fidel and, uh, from Fort Lauderdale. And he said, you know, it's seven years. He said, that's a, that's a year of blessing. We just passed our seventh year here. But, you know, he, he had uh, encouraging words to say. And he didn't even know us really at all. So, so God calls us in the present to be faithful. He has been faithful, right? He calls us to be faithful. And that's really what it's been all about. Uh, God, it, it's always God first and then us. Us responding to Him. He, we love Him because what? He first loved us. So we respond to Him and to His love and to His faithfulness. And, and He calls us to be faithful. So we continue to worship. We continue to teach the Word. We continue to fellowship. We continue to pray. Just the, 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 some of the things that make us who we are. And it's a bunch of things, isn't it, really? When we were uh, in Israel, and I don't even know how these things happen, right? But, you know, the grandkids are there, and they're eight, six, four, and three, right? You saw the picture. Eight, six, four, and three. And so, you know, we were there, and, and, and really the part of the reason we're there is to, like, hang out with them and, you know. So somehow, and I don't remember how it happened, we came up with the four things, right? The four things you do at nighttime when you, when you go in there to put them to bed. You've got to do these four things. And they remembered these four things, and they, were, they talk about them during the day. Don't forget the four things. And, okay. Well, these are the four things. Kiss, hug, prayer, and tickle. <laughs> well, you know which one they wanted the most, Right? When we first started it, you know, the, the, the prayer was kind of like, one of them was like laughing, and I said, no, you got to be respectful during the prayer. What you got, you know, this is the time to be respectful. We're praying now. And then, and then, and then I'd say, okay, after the third thing we'd pray, I'd say, okay, good night. And they said, whoa, wait a minute, you got to do the fourth thing, because that was really what they've been waiting for all day long, right? <laughs> Kiss, hug, prayer, and tickle. You see, they remembered these things. And uh, so, thinking about the church here and the present and who we are, Acts 2.42, you know, there are a number of different verses that make us who we are, who have been part of who we are from the very inception, from the very beginning, from, from those early days till now. And Acts 2.42 is one of those verses, isn't it? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They got four things here, right? The word, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Those four things that, you know, we, we're just faithful in those things. That's things that are important to us. Another, another uh, verse is out of Zechariah chapter 11, verse 15 and 16, and you have to read that on your own. But another four things there, to care for the lost, to seek the young, to heal the injured, to feed the healthy, things that, that are important. Another four things, right? Another four things to remember. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, another one thing, isn't it? Outreach, that, that God's called us to be witnesses by His power, through His uh, Spirit. And, and, and this verse has been a part of, uh, again, my thinking and our kind of foundational Thoughts from the very beginning. And, and, and one more that was really kind of important as well. And this has four things as well. Actually, I think I counted that wrong. It's three things. By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. To me, you know what those rare and beautiful treasures are? 
You. Yeah, us. That's the rare and beautiful treasures. But, but these three things there, the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge and, and again, what God wants to do, that God wants to build the house. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So, so you add all those things up, and that's a lot of things to remember, doesn't, isn't it? That's like 11 things, if I counted correctly. So I was thinking about all this and, and, and you know, having this time to be away and to, to get some perspective, kind of like, well, what, where are we? Who are we? Where are we going? What, is, what are we all about? I was, I was, I was kind of thinking about the future, really, and, and, and what I thought about was this. I, I thought about to, to refresh and to simplify, to refresh and to simplify, to sum it up, really. And now, now those scriptures are not going away at all. Those are still the foundation, and we don't, we don't kick out the foundations. Our country is kicking out the foundations, and the Bible says when the foundations are, are being destroyed, what will the righteous do? You don't get rid of your foundations, because when you do, you're going to have trouble. So those foundational things of who we are are very important, but, but it doesn't hurt to have this refresh to kind of... Uh, simplify and, and make it easier to remember. And so I've really kind of, as I was, again, away thinking about these things, that it felt it was a time to renew and define and simplify. That's kind of where uh, I, I'm going with this today. Uh, we, spent a t we spent time at a place called the spa in Israel. And it's like, you, you know, they live in, in uh, the Negev. The Negev is a desert, right? And so we, it's a big city, the seventh largest city in Israel, where they live in Beersheba. But about 35, 40 minutes outside the city, you just drive. And, and along the way, there are Bedouin encampments where the Bedouins just take some land and just build whatever they want to build. But, on, but 35 minutes outside, there's some hot springs out there. And so we'd go out there and pretend like we were like at the beach, you know. It was like inside because the water is hot and heated. So we'd go out there. We've been out there many times. And, uh, but there were changes taking place. And there was really, a, what it was was a fresh look that was being taken at the place. I don't know how many years this place had been there. They called it Neve Midbar. And, and, uh, but there was a new owner, you see, and he was, he was not getting rid of the place. He's not getting rid of the hot springs, not getting rid of the pools. But he, he saw that he needed to have a fresh look at what was going on there. And, and, and uh, we had not really looked around much either. But looking around, seeing how things were like uh, they were being let go. Things were not taken care of like they should have been taken care of. And so this, the, the plan was, you know, they have big plans. They're going to put a big slide in for the kids. They're going to put in some, some hotel rooms so people could actually stay there. They're going to, they're going to, they had all these exciting things that they were going to do. And, and, and uh, what they had was they had a vision. They had a mission for this place. Now, of course, you and I know that why were they doing that? To make money, that was their whole purpose. They, they wanted to make money. And, and uh, maybe they had a thought, we want to be a place where people can actually come and have a, a break. And we enjoyed it out there. It was, it was nice. But it made me think about, you know, our place here too. We've been here seven years. And, and, and seven years isn't a very long time, but it's long enough. Where we need to start thinking about and having a fresh look around, and I try to do that from time to time, walk around with, a, with some fresh eyes and say, well, what is going on here? And that's why we do have plans for different things. A, a whole new walkway, when you, when you think about out, out front there, it's, it's not really that inviting. But to have a fresh, eye, fresh eyes and, and, and a look, and, and how can we make it better? We stayed in another place which was called Bait. Scandinavia. It's, a, it's in Haifa. And, and some Scandinavian people own this place, and it's like a guest house there. And, but but we, we, we really liked it there, but I noticed when I was there, it was like the purpose was unclear. Like, why are you doing this? 
Like, you know, you can be in a place going like, well, what, what's this all about? And the people were very, very nice. But I think when they had established this place and bought this place, it was, I, think, I think it was very clear what they were trying to do. They wanted to be this, this place where people could come in Israel and, and connect with other believers or even those that are believers and share. And, and, and uh, they had some real vision. But, it, but after all the years, I think it just kind of like, you know how you kind of get like that? What's your purpose? What are you trying to do? And so my, my feeling was that, and, and even though like at, at, the, at the spa, uh, Anthony actually got kind of upset. Because none of, do you like change? Nobody likes change, and they were changing. There were people that he had gotten to know there who, who uh, they lost their jobs or they quit. Change was happening. But I could see, I was, I was thinking about all this. I could see how, and I was trying to encourage him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be for the good. He's, oh, the price is just going to go up, and, you know, all my friends are gone, and, you know, it's different, you know. But that's kind of short-sighted, isn't it? The truth is we need to go forward, right? We need to go forward or, or we're going to stagnate. We need to go forward or we're going to dry up. It's true in our own lives. It's true in here in this fellowship. We could just keep doing the same things we're doing, just keep doing the same. You know, we pick 10 songs that we do, and we just do those 10 songs every week for, you know, now till, you know, kingdom come, and guess who's going to be here? Me. Just me, like old and, you know, and, 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 and no one else. And maybe a few others that kind of, you know, dried up with me. I don't know that that's an encouraging thought, is it? Not to me. So again, thinking about all these things and, and uh, I... And I talked with some of these, the men that we've been working with, uh, getting together, uh, you know, this idea of, of uh, what I have on your bulletin uh, today, this idea of reach, to reach up, to reach out, and to reach in. And, and really just kind of simplify and to come up with something that we could actually remember that's based on the Word. Again, the foundations don't change, but to have this idea that we can remember that this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to be and, and, and the mission of, of who we are. To reach up to God, to reach out to others, to reach in to us. Uh, Patrick said to me this morning, well, what's the joy part? I don't get it. <laughs> I said, what's wrong with you, man? Don't you get it? No, I didn't say that. But joy, the acronym for joy is what? Jesus, others, and you, or yourself. And, and really, that's where joy comes from. You get the priorities straight, where Jesus is first, others are second, and ourselves are last. We kind of we just get rid of the J and the O, and it's just all about me, myself, and I. It's not that we shouldn't take care of ourselves. We, we do, but we need this balance, really. And so I think to have this joy of, of, of fulfilling what we're called to do. So, so number one, to, to reach up really, uh, you know, this is really where God is number one. To reach up to Him. To worship Him. To pray. And to read His Word. To look to Him to what He would say. That's, that's, that's where we begin, isn't it? It begins with Him. It has to. And so we spend time in these things, in worship and in prayer and in the Word. Without it, we have nothing. You know, there's a lot of churches that have left those things aside, and what do they become? Like social clubs. Just a social club. Well, you know what? I don't really need a social club. You know, if I did, I would go somewhere else. I need, I need to connect with God is what I need. I need to be a, a place where I, can, where I can connect with Him. 
And that's really kind of what we're talking about. Some of the verses that come to mind, come near to God and He will what? Come near to you, James tells us. What about this, John 20? And this is very interesting. Uh, Jesus talking to doubting Thomas, right? He says, there's no way I'm going to believe. And Jesus shows up and he says, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Reach out to him. He's there. Stop doubting and believe. But, but reaching to Jesus and, and the, the, again, the picture of the suffering of the cross. Where they put a spear in his side to make sure that he was actually dead. But another, another really cool one is, is Acts chapter 17. And this really kind of ties in with what I've been talking about today. It talks about earlier in the verse before about, you know, that he provides a, exact places for people to live. Of, uh, you know, he guides and directs for, for that in, in verse 26. And he said, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Isn't that cool? He's not far. He's right there. And, and for us to reach up to Him, He's right there. He says the word is near. It says right, right in your mouth to call Him. He's right there. For you and me, that's where we need to be. Reach up to Him. God is first. So we're going to be faithful. We're going to keep worshiping Him. We're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep studying His Word because we need those things desperately. Desperately. But you know, we also want to reach out, don't we? We want to reach out because we did this study, this whole series on the good news of great joy that's for all people. And we have good news and, and we can't just keep it to ourselves. We can't keep it to ourselves. So, so this challenge that God wants us to reach out as a church. Of course, the church is made up of what? People like you and me, and it's all a kind of a thing we do together. And that's really the question that I think we need to be asking ourselves. How can we do that better? How can we reach out? And we really, we really can do it if we do it together. You see, it's much easier to do it together. We're not all going to you know, be evangelists. We're not all going to go on the corner somewhere. We're not all going to get up on a, a stage somewhere and, and be evangelists. But you know, we can work together. We can do this together. And I, and I really think, and I want you to think about this. Think about this for a minute. Can you invite somebody here? All they can do is say what? But, you know, most often people come. Why? Because someone invited them. Well, you may not be able to tell the four spiritual laws of them, but you can say, listen, you want to come to my church sometime? I, you know, just, just asking. You know, and you get nervous and your heart will beat, you know, hard and everything about just asking them to come to church. But, you know, they can say yes or they can say no. Now that puts a responsibility on us as leaders of the church as well. The church can't be a boring, irrelevant place, right? We have to be able to talk here and do things here that actually make sense to people. Now, that doesn't mean that we just become all worldly and, you know, go insane. But, but... But when I think about this sometimes, culturally, people that, that have never, never go to church, now we kind of have an advantage here of people, you know, a very strong Catholic influence in their life where people, you know, they went to church as children usually. They, didn't have, they know something about church, so they come here and they go like, wow, it's different. But, but culturally, you know, you're not used to going to church anywhere. So it's not an easy thing when you first walk into a place for the first time. Can you remember the first time you went to a church? You're like looking around, going, well, what are these people are like? I'm not sure. They're kind of weird. They're kind of strange. What are they doing? Singing. It's not like they're not singing the hits. What are they singing? What is that? You know, so, so culturally, you know, we, 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 we don't want to be so far out. We have, con we have contemporary music, although I think even our contemporary music is sometimes not as contemporary as contemporary is anymore. 
Because we're getting older and we need to kind of keep up, really. So we're going to start a rap band next week <laughs> and uh, see if we can get that happening. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? So, so to, for us to work together here, if we're going to reach out to people and God's given us a wonderful, beautiful place to, to do it in, what can we do? And that, you know, that gets down to things like events. What kind of events can we do? We have, we have some outreach events already, and I think they're wonderful. We have a festival that's incredible, beautiful, and we've been doing that a long time. But, but, but that's not all we can do. You know, we had a simple thing like a yard sale, and it was like, it was awesome. We had opportunity to reach out to people, right? But we can do other things, can't we? But this is where we kind of work together. You see, I can't think, my brain is, you know, my brain is, is limited. I can only think in, in, in of a certain number of things, but we can all brainstorm. We can all kind of figure out what we can do. If you're going to invite somebody that you know, well, you can think of some ideas. Well, why would they want to come? What could we be doing? Yeah, we need to worship. We need to pray. We need to, to uh, be in the Word of God. Now, those are things that are non-negotiable, right? We're not going to throw those out so that we can make people happy, become you know, the, the seeker-sensitive model where you, you don't have anything spiritual and then you might say the word Jesus once and then hope that they had a spiritual experience. That doesn't work. But you see what I'm saying? We've got to do this together. So we've got to be thinking about this, praying about this. So to reach up to God and to reach out to people, what does that mean? Someone wrote this, and I like this quote. She said, Jesus wants us to see that the neighbor next door or the people sitting next to us on a plane or in a classroom are not interruptions to our schedule. They are there by divine appointment. Jesus wants us to see their needs, their loneliness, their longings, and He wants to give us the courage to reach out to them. We have to have our eyes open to see that there's actually somebody there when we're not so consumed with number one here, right? But how much time do we have? I don't know how much time we have, but if this is important to us as a fellowship, well, let's think about it. Let's pray about it. Let's ask God, what do you want us to do? And then finally, uh, to reach in really is, is this idea of to grow and to have fellowship. It's so important, right? That's out of Acts 2.42, isn't it? That we, that we have fellowship. We're, we're called to have fellowship. We're called to grow and to carry one another's burdens and to, you know, uh, encourage one another daily. And you're like, iron sharpens iron, you know, sharpening each other to be as strong and, and help each other through those tough, tough times. We have opportunities now, but we, you know, maybe there are different opportunities that we are not doing, that we could do. But we have a Tuesday night fellowship. We have a Wednesday night fellowship. We have women's meetings men's meetings, sewing sisters, special family prayer, and, and others that we get together. But, but you know what? I, I want to encourage you, whoever you are, to get involved in one of those. Because, you know, it's, it's great. Well, our church does this and that. Well, are you involved in any of it? No, not really. I'm saying to you that these are things, that summarizing these things of, about who we are to reach up to God, to reach out to people and to reach into ourselves. That this is part of who we are. And if you want to be a part of this, you, you need to get on, get on the bus, Gus. <laughs> See, I'm aging some of you. <laughs> so, part of, part of reaching in and part of our kind of part of this too is to, to get involved in different ways. So, so really to, to kind of sum it all up and uh, to reach up, to reach out, and to reach in, you know, can you remember that? I'm going to test you next week to see if you can actually remember those things. We're going to start uh, a study next week in the book of Jonah. I love the book of Jonah. Probably mostly because Jonah was like us, reluctant. And he ran. Any of you ever run? No, no me. He went the opposite direction from where he was supposed to be going.
God told him what he wanted him to do. So, so to reach up, to reach out, to reach in, you know, to evaluate what we are doing and what we are not doing presently that we should or could be doing, does it fit with who we are? We, you know, at Calvary Chapel, we don't have a formal membership, right? We don't have a formal membership like many churches do. And Norm kind of talked a little bit in, in a different angle from this. But, uh, but how do we know? That doesn't mean we don't have members here, right? Are you a member here? You have to answer that question. But, but it's obvious to other people, too, if you're a member here. How do, you, how do we know you're a member? <laughs> you show up, you vote with your feet, right? You get involved, you participate in things that are going on, you pray. You support financially like Norm was speaking about it. It doesn't happen, you know, uh, without us all being involved by the members. But another important thing is to serve. To serve. We need to, we need to serve. Each of us needs to be involved. And maybe that's a way you're going to get tied in, is to be serving somewhere. And, and find, you say, well, I don't know what I should do. Well, look around. Maybe there's a need that is not being met. Do something. Do anything. Go out and pick up cigarette butts off the a parking lot. Go do, find something that you can do. You say, well, there's nothing I can do. I disagree. We have... Just as far as this property, we have, we have a list of things that, are, that, that could be done around here. That could be worked and it could be fixed. But then there's a list of, of ministry opportunities that we could put together that, that is endless. That is cre as creative as God is creative. God is a creator, but he, he, he has given us that ability to, to be creative as well. But I want to tell you, I can't do it all. I, I, I'm here and, and, and God is, is, is you know, I, I, I just turned 40. <laughs> Plus. Actually, I just turned 60. You know that. I just turned 60. And, I'm, and so uh, this is part of, like, the thinking about all this stuff. Well, what, you know, what is, what is going to happen? And, and for me, my, my, I don't want this just to dry up and stagnate. So for me, it's to, to see and to be involved and to help God raise up people to do, and especially you younger uh, men and women, to be raised up to become the future generations of this church. I don't know how much time I have and, and, and how long I'm going to be here, but I know that at some point I want to see God raise up younger leadership to go future, to go forward. Because I'm going to be kicking and screaming. You can't change that. Take the Jesus sign off the wall. No. The dove. You don't, don't touch the sacred things. You know. I'm human too. One last thing. Before I close. is I, I, I've given you a sheet with questions on it. And, and I, you know. If you could fill those out. Not now. But if you could fill those out, and there's some things, and it might, it might spark some new ideas for us. And, and put them in the box at the back, or put them on the table in the back, or, or bring it back next week if you think, you know, you know there's too many there. I need, to, I need to really kind of put some thought and prayer into that. Well, do it. Again, if you, if you belong here, do it. But the last thought I want to end with is this when I think about future. The future is is this, for me, the future is Revelation chapter 22 and 21. The future is heaven. The future is the fact that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Past, present, and future as far as us being involved here, what are we looking for? We're not looking for, you know, God, well, you got to do this here, and you got to do that there, and you got to make this happen. No, we're looking to see Jesus return. We're looking to spend eternity with Him. And, and I want to I be ready for that as best as I can be. And I want this church to be a place that we're looking ahead. Because life here is not always that easy. We all have stuff. You got stuff? I got stuff. 
Thank you. But Jesus is coming. I, I saw in Philippians chapter 2, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We're going to be in his presence. We're going to see his face in this place called heaven. And it's going to be wonderful. But till then, let's be faithful with what God's given us to do because he's been faithful. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. Your mercy, God, you are so good to us, and, and you have been so faithful. But it's not over. The journey isn't done yet. We got, we got stuff we needed to do. We, need, we have things we need to, to be uh, accomplishing, and, and uh, just those times of worship, those times of prayer, those times of uh, reading your word and, and hearing from you. We, we want to reach up to you, God. We, we, have, we have people that are all around us that are without hope, without God, that we can reach out to. I believe you want us to do that. It's part of the, the commission that you've given to us as a New Testament church. And Lord, you want, also want us to reach in and, and, and to minister to one another, to help one another. It's a good thing. We need each other. Help us, Lord, to be faithful because you've been so faithful, Lord. I pray too here this morning, as always, for those who don't know Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. You're sitting here and you hear me say it over and over. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe you haven't. But, but you need a personal relationship with Jesus. So as we pray right now, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You call out to Jesus and ask him to come into your life. Maybe you don't know, you don't understand it. That's okay. He understands. Simply call out and say, Jesus, I, I'm here. I don't know how I found myself here in a church, but I'm here, and I need some hope. I need some help. I turn to you today, January 31st, 2016, and open my life to you, and I give my life to you. Help me today. Lord, thank you. We thank you for all you've done, but we also look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.